Maybe some of your to-do boards look like that person during this time of the year. But I love how it ended. It ended with, let's just erase all of that stuff that stresses us out, all of that stuff that tries to take the place, do who? Jesus in our hearts this time of year. I know you've heard this saying many times, but it is true. Jesus is the reason for the season. If he hadn't been born, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. And guess what? It's his birthday. So why don't we give him some honor and some praise? Why don't we give him the place due in our hearts? Amen. Well, we're so glad that you're here today and Hopefully, this message, I believe it will speak to your hearts. And like I said, I know it it tends the season to be merry and bright and celebrate Jesus. But we all know what it's like to be tempted to step out of that mercy and that grace and that peace and just be overwhelmed with things that we have to do. I know no one in here has ever been tempted to be stressed out, but I certainly have. And sometimes Christmas, because there's extra things on our agenda, can get us to that point that we're like, ah, we forget what we're here for. We forget why we're celebrating. And so today I want to talk to you about peace. Could any of you use peace? As believers, we have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of us. You'll recall the Christmas story that's found in Luke chapter 2. And we won't take time to read all of that today. I'm sure Pastor probably will next Sunday morning. And by the way, he'll be sharing tonight, so make sure you come back. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, this is just a, a little bit of the account I want to read today. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and then let's read verse 14 together, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Why was it when Jesus was born that at his birth the angel declared peace on earth. The reason was that prophecy was fulfilled at that very moment. A prophecy that the prophet Isaiah had written many hundreds of years before. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And as we look at that, I want you to particularly look at these names that describe our Lord. For unto us, Christ is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Can you all say amen? Amen. Thank God that Jesus, when we pray, the government is upon his shoulder. Hallelujah. And then look at this part. And his name will be called. Say these words with me. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Doesn't that just send a thrill through your spirit? These are just some of His names. Is He wonderful? Is He your counselor? Does He give you wisdom when you don't know what to do? Aren't you glad that you've got the mind of Christ? Hallelujah. How about Mighty God? He's strong. 
He's mighty to deliver, mighty to save, and He is everlasting. There is no end to His love. There's no end to His mercy. There's no end to His peace. When we have Jesus, we don't just have peace. He is the Prince of Peace. The Bible doesn't say He's peace. It doesn't just say He will give you peace, which He does, but it calls Him the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah! I'm thankful for that. Well, today, I'm not giving you any bad news. Aren't you glad? (laughs) I'm going to give you good news. He is the Prince of Peace, but just like everything that Jesus gives to us, love, joy, peace, all of these things that have been given and granted to us as believers, we have to contend for them. Even though they are legally ours, we have an enemy that comes and tries to steal them from us. Any, anyone ever experienced your joy being trying to steal, steal, steal your joy? There's also peace robbers. Not a bad confession, it's the truth. There are peace robbers that come and try to get us out of the peace of God. But as I was praying a couple of weeks ago, actually it was on a Wednesday at ladies' prayer, and then the next morning on Thursday I woke up, and on the inside of me it was like I saw the word peace. And when I saw the word peace, I began to see what each letter, an acrostic for the word peace, What each letter could represent. So that's what we're going to talk about today. P, standing for patience. For patience. Has anybody ever had your patience tried to be robbed? Well, there's a scripture over in Luke chapter 21, verse 19. A little short scripture, but it's very powerful. By your patience, possess your soul. Patience causes us to possess our souls. What is our soul? Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Has anyone's emotions ever been tempted to get the best of you? But the word possess literally means this. Keep control over. Maintain oneself. Maintain oneself. Well, we can't do that in and of ourselves. But this verse tells us that if we will let patience on the inside of us rule and reign, we'll stay in peace. We'll possess our emotions. We'll have control over our emotions. I think one of the best illustrations, it worked for me because I've been there, done that. Maybe you haven't. But have you ever been tempted when you're driving to lose your patience? Have you ever noticed when you get impatient, you get upset, you get irritable, you get frustrated, sometimes even a little mean and agitated, driving down the road and you got somewhere to be and you know you're so important that you got to get there right away. And so you're in a hurry, and you're in the fast lane, and you come up behind somebody, and traffic's heavy, and they're going 40 miles an hour in the fast lane. Have you ever been tempted to yell, to give them driving instructions, to say, what? 
are you doing in the fast lane going 45 miles an hour? Just all these things that we go through and we feel our blood pressure begin to rise. And isn't it amazing? They can't hear a word that you're saying. They don't even know what's going on. You call, you might, you know, try to get around them and you can't get around them and you're stuck going 40 miles an hour. Ah, and you're just like this. Finally, you get around them and they're just driving along happy as a little clam. <laughs> while you're just upset and irritated, lost your cool, lost your patience. But this scripture says, in your patience, You can possess your soul. You can stay in charge of your emotions. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22, if you want to read that later, many translations it says long-suffering, but in lots of them it says patience. And patience does not come by us begging God for it could be like the little lady that she went up <laughs> at the end of a service and she's knelt down there and the pastor overheard her and she's pounding on the altar bench. God, give me patience. Give me patience. Give it to me right now. <laughs> you know how patience comes? It's developed. Like so many of the fruit of the Spirit. The seed is in us. But we have to develop it. And guess what? especially this time of year, you're going to have mega opportunities to develop the patience of God. No, no one's ever encountered this either, but how about a clerk at the store or a waiter with an attitude? Or, you know, this one just, I have to work on this. You know, there can be a long line and there's one line, people. There's one line. And there's always somebody that tries to cut in front of the line. And, you know, I feel it's my God-given opportunity, I guess, (laughs) responsibility. Uh, Excuse me, excuse me. There's one line, no line cutting here. Guess what? I get upset, and they look at you like, lady, you know, there's two people in front of you. No big deal. And it really isn't a big deal. It takes five more minutes. But (laughs) we can make it a big deal. In your patience, possess your souls. <laughs> Set a boundary. Develop. Develop. Let that be developed on you. In you. <laughs> on you do. It's important that we don't let these little nickel and dying things disturb our peace. Even if it's a little bit bigger of a thing and there's disturbing people. That are around us. Jesus said this over in John chapter 14 verse 27. It's a long passage in the Amplified. So I'm just going to start where the parentheses are. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. This isn't even a suggestion. He's saying, I've given you something. I'm leaving you with peace so you can stop being agitated. And disturbed 
Don't permit yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Can I get an amen? amen? He wouldn't have told us to do that if we couldn't do it. All together now, let's say this. Say, I am patient. I am, patient. I am kind. I walk in love. love. Nothing or no one one. is going to steal my peace. peace. Amen. Amen. Now let's move along to E. What I want to talk about that represents E, everlasting arms. Everlasting arms. When you feel like you're about to fall apart or to collapse under the weight or pressure or something. There's peace in knowing He is there. And His everlasting arms will sustain you and hold you. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The eternal God is my refuge. And underneath are His what? Everlasting arms. His everlasting arms will hold us. First part says, God is our refuge. Refuge is this. It's a shelter or protection from danger. It's a place of safety. We have a place of refuge. We have a place of safety. We have everlasting arms that are holding us up, that are surrounding us, that are keeping us. The Bible says that He upholds all things with the word of His power. If He's upholding all things, the universe, this world, don't you think He can hold you up? Hallelujah. There's safety in Him. He is our refuge. Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. His arms, His wings, that's where you are. You're under Him and He's under you. I will say of the Lord, say this with me. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Hallelujah. Underneath you are everlasting arms. Hallelujah. You may remember as a kid, I remember this, growing up on the farm and in the barn we'd have loose hay, stacks of hay. And it was so fun to just go and go back there and just fall backwards. With no fear, with the assurance that that cushy little stack of hay was going to catch you and you weren't going to be hurt or harmed. When things come against us in life, it's a good reminder to know His everlasting arms are there. His strength is there. When you start feeling like your knees, spiritual knees, are getting a little bit wobbly and there's a lot of things that are trying to weigh you down, guess what? You can just go, okay, I am not 
going to fall. God never looks around. He never goes on vacation and you're wobbling around and, and you fall and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Oops. You fall and hit your head. I was looking the other direction. Pastor Mark and I were having a conversation and I just didn't see that you were about to fall. No. He won't let you fall. I like what I heard an old minister say years ago. His grip on you won't slip. He's got a grip on you. He upholds you. Hallelujah. He sustains us in the day of trouble. How many of you like this old hymn? It's one of my favorites. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Safe and secure from all, from all that harms. How many of you today are leaning? Woo, just lean back. In His everlasting arms. Lean back in the hambre sata. Lean back. Woo! In the strength of His arms. You know what it was like when you were a little kid. If you had a, a good daddy, I had a great daddy. He was a big guy, big hands, huge hands, huge arms, especially when you're a little kid. And there was nothing like running into his arms. Felt so safe. Felt like nothing could hurt me. You might not have had a daddy like that, but you got a father daddy. You got Abba, Abba, whose arms are waiting for you to run into. Hallelujah. And to be safe and to be secure. Leaning, leaning on his everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Then A. We're going to just have to highlight these because I'm just following the Holy Spirit. If we get caught on one, we'll just give you the little summary of the other ones. But A. Assurance. Assurance and confidence. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 In the Amplified, again, this is a long passage, so about halfway down we'll begin reading. For he, God, himself said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give up, nor leave you without support. Now, how many times did he say this next phrase? I will not, I will not, I will not. In any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly, assuredly not. This ties right in with the everlasting arms. Assuredly not, he will not leave us. Assuredly not, we are not alone. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless. The next verse says this, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, read that part with me, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. Here's that I will not. He said, In the previous verse, I will not leave you. I will not leave you without support. Now, because we know that, then we can say, I will not fear. 
or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Hallelujah. What can man do to me? He said, assuredly not. I'm not going to leave you. And because we're confident in that, we have this assurance that we don't have to be in fear. We don't have to dread. We don't have to be terrified. Because God is with us. God is for us. And God is in us. Now, we're going to have to fight some battles, but you know the biggest battlefield is in the arena of our emotions, in the arena of our mind. But we can do something. We can do what the Word of God says we can do. Isaiah 26.3 in the Amplified says this. You will guard him and keep him in perfect peace. Some translations say peace, peace. So much peace, got to say it twice. Peace and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclinations and its character, is thinking on the problem day and night. Talking about how bad things are. Voicing their fear and their anxiety. No, whose mind is stayed on him because he commits himself to you. And there's that word again. He leans on you and he hopes confidently in you. His assurance and his confidence is in him. I just hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this. Some of you have been trying to fight your own battles. Some of you have been contending with family members in your emotional realm, in the realm of reasoning. But I hear the Spirit of God say this, Stand still and know that I am God. Put your assurance and confidence in me. And I'm working. I'm working on that loved one. I'm working in that situation. Well, do you receive that? Hallelujah. I think some of you need to be expecting some breakthroughs this year, this holiday season, in relationships with your family. Hallelujah. God is working. Stay in peace. Stay in peace. Don't let worry grab your mind. Don't lean to your own understanding of how it's going to happen. Peace is literally a spiritual force. It'll keep you in the midnight hour. It'll sustain you. It'll garrison about you. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 4, this is good. Verse 7, again in the Amplified. And God's peace, shall be yours. Aren't you glad that it is? That tranquil state of a soul. There's that word again. Are you assured? Assured. How many of you are assured of your salvation? Let me see your hand. You know that you know that Jesus is your Lord. 
Well, if you are assured that he is yours and you are his, then this is what you ought to have. Fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. That peace which transcends all understanding, what's it going to do? It shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those phrases there, garrison and mount guard, are military terms. Peace is a weapon in the midst of a battle. One of our dear sisters pointed this out to me. I don't see her, so I'm not giving her any credit. But it was in Psalms 140, verse 7. It's the word, but she did bring this scripture to my attention. O oh God, the Lord of salvation. O oh, oh God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. When you tie these two scriptures together, where he said he will mount guard, he will garrison about and mount guard over your mind, this is what it is literally saying, that when you are in the day of battle, the Prince of Peace, will cover your head. Cover your head with peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. In the time of battle, He will cover your head with peace that says, I win. With peace that says, I'm more than a conqueror. With peace that says, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. With peace that says, He always causes me to triumph in the day of battle. I will not fear. I will not be anxious in the time of testing. I will not be afraid for the peace of God is covering my very mind. And I know it's going to be all right. I know that I know my Redeemer lives. I know that I know He's causing me to win. Hallelujah. Lift your hands one more time. I just got to take a praise break. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for the peace of God that's covering us, sustaining us. Hallelujah. Giving us assurance and confidence that we win. Hallelujah. That we're victorious in every situation, in every circumstance of life. Hallelujah. Now, moving on to C. This is what I see for the letter C. And I realize you could make your own list. But I'm preaching, so this is my list. And I believe it's helping you. Hallelujah. See, comfort, comfort. Aren't you thankful that the peace of God gives us comfort? You know, grief is a real emotion. Grief comes to all of us in many different forms, many different reasons. Sometimes people are struck by grief over the loss of a job, career, finances. Perhaps a home. Others suffer with grief because of a broken relationship with a family member. Maybe a child that's not speaking to you or whatever. 
And of course we know that along with divorce, there's grief that tries to attach itself to the brokenhearted. And then definitely this time of year, grief tries to overwhelm people because of a loved one that has gone on to be with the Lord. And as I was thinking of this, comfort in the midst of sorrow. I was reminded, it's been many, many years ago, and most of you have heard this, but on my 21st birthday, which was September the 11th, 1976. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm getting up there. I'm 60 now. But my mother had surgery, and we were told that... um, She had terminal cancer. It was in many of her organs. It had spread from her colon into her liver, and they really gave her little little hope, and she elected not to do any kind of treatments. Of course, it was back in, like I said, 1976. So she progressively got sicker and sicker. I was living in Tulsa. I moved home and was her main caretaker. And as the holidays approached that Christmas, my mother always made Christmas such a special time for all of us. The baking and wrapping of the gifts and Christmas caroling at the nursing home. We weren't able to do any of that that year. It was a very kind of sad, solemn time. And she did end up passing. She went home to be with the Lord on January 5th, 1976. And uh, anyway, she had surgery 75, actually. So 76, January. And the next Christmas rolled around. And as we began to approach Christmas, my heart wasn't real happy. All I was seeing were pictures of that last Christmas with my mom and missing her and the celebration that she always brought to that time of year. And I know that there's some of you in here today that you've had a loved one, maybe recently, maybe even a few years back. I mean, that's been many years. And even now, when I think about it, and I was talking with Pastor about it just a few days ago, the tears still flow. And it's a reality that that loss will always be there. There will always be an element of sorrow. But I'm here to give you good news. And the good news is this. We do not have to sorrow as those who have no hope. There is a difference between missing someone and sensing that loss and and a spirit, I mean, a, a sorrow in our hearts and a spirit of grief. That's where we as believers have to draw the line and say, okay, yes, I miss them, but I am not going to let a spirit of grief attach me to me to the degree that I can't enjoy enjoy Christmas, to the degree that I can't go on and live my life. I had to draw from the Holy Spirit. And that's why I preach so much on the Holy Spirit. He became more real to me during that time than He had ever been. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you without help. When I physically leave this earth, He came and was born as a baby. But when He physically left this earth, He said, I am going to give you someone who's called the Holy Spirit. He will be your comforter. He will be your standby. He will be your strengthener. And I learned how to tap in to praying in the Holy Spirit and drawing on heaven's help. And that spirit of grief did not attach itself to me. Certainly, I still miss my mother. But you know what? She's not lost. 
she's just gone. She just moved away. And not only is she in my past, but I get excited when I think about she's in my future. So is your loved one. They're not gone. They just moved. Hallelujah. And they're celebrating in heaven today. So instead of me getting sad at Christmas time, I envision my mom and my dad died 10 years later in February. And he was sick during that holiday too, the next 10 years. But I envision them in heaven, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yes, they had one. They're celebrating. Think how we celebrate the birth of Jesus here. Think how heaven must celebrate the entrance of the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lord, the King into our world, into our lives. They're celebrating. So don't be sad. Celebrate with your loved ones that are in heaven. Remember the precious memories, but remember they're in your future. And we haven't seen anything yet. We've got eternity to spend with them. Hallelujah. I believe this scripture will help you. It helped me so much. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And then I love this. And the God of all comfort. There is no comfort like the comfort of God. Just like Jesus just isn't peace. He is the Prince of Peace. God doesn't just give comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Woo! When you tap into Him, your heart will be lifted. That grief will leave you and you'll realize I've got comfort like the world does not have. And there's so many people that are hurting this time of year, not just because of the loss of a loved one, but different things that have gone on in their lives. They're hurting and their hearts are open to you ministering to them, whether you realize it or not. Through the experience of what I've gone through, through losing both of my parents at a young age, I have, can't tell you the times that I've been able to reach out and to give somebody else hope. To let them know they're going to make it. To let them know the God of all comfort carried me through and He'll carry you through too. One of the best ways to get over sorrow and grief is to reach out to someone else. The very next verse lets us know that. Verse 4. Who comforts us all in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. Anybody in here ever experienced God's comfort? Well, guess what? That comfort that's in you, He wants you to give it away to someone else. I encourage you. Reach out. And when you give that comfort away, you will be amazed at the peace of God that shows up in your life. The last letter in the word peace is E. Another E. 
And I believe this E, like I said, I'm preaching. In my life, this E stands for eternal perspective. It's so important this time of year to keep an eternal perspective. So what if you burn the cookies? (laughs) Big deal if all the presents aren't bought and wrapped and put under the tree by Christmas Eve. There's so many things that we think are so important. What if your house doesn't win the best decorated house on the block? Is that going to make a difference in eternity? These things that we think are holiday tragedies, they're either going to soon be forgotten or they're going to be turned into making a lifelong memory. Now, Pastor and I, we realized early on in our marriage that the best way for us to get a live Christmas tree was to go and buy it and have it delivered and have someone put it in the stand. That works for us. (laughs) But one year, our boys went to Fremont Christian and they were selling Christmas trees over there. And, you know, we wanted to support our local school. So we went and bought the tree Remember the boys helping me put it on top of the car? We bought it after school one day, and I'm thinking, ooh, it's not in a stand. This could be a problem. So we go and buy a stand. We work. The next day was Saturday. We work getting this tree in this stand. And I notice as we're putting it in the stand, it's leaning, and not on the everlasting arms of Jesus either. It's leaning a little bit. The boys were smaller, so they're decorating. And you know how when little kids help you decorate the tree? The biggest, the heaviest ornaments are all right in the front in one spot. So we go to bed, and it was a Saturday night, and I'm not sure what time it was, probably about midnight, I hear. I mean, it was a lot louder than that. Glass breaking, bulbs exploding. Get up and look. The Christmas tree had fell under the power. (laughs) Broke a lot of the bulbs, the lights. It's Saturday night. We got church the next morning, so it just had to lay there. I got up, walked past that tree, thought this is a disaster. This is the worst Christmas ever. The ornaments are broken. We got a mess to clean up and on and on and on. Something that I thought was going to ruin our holiday. That has been the most remembered Christmas tree ever. (laughs) These things that we think are tragedies usually end up making a pretty funny memory. Or they're forgotten later on. Keep an eternal perspective this time of year. Does it really matter? You know, this stuff that we think is tragedy, we, stuff that we think is a disaster, that it's not, oh, it's not a perfect holiday. Guess what? You're not perfect. Your family's not perfect. There'll never be a perfect holiday. Something's always going to happen or go wrong. Don't sweat the small stuff. Pastor read this passage on Wednesday night, and I want to close with just reading the last part of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we could look at verse 17, actually, for sake of time. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 in the message. These hard times are what? They're small potatoes compared 
to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's nothing that we go through in this life that can steal our joy or take our peace compared to the lavish celebration prepared for us. The worst thing we may face in this life is small potatoes because we got eternity to celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. We got eternity to celebrate with our loved ones. And then the next verse in 18 in this, I love this too. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we now see are here today, but gone tomorrow. Think about it. You're thinking, oh, I got to get my kid this. I got to get him that. Isn't it frustrating? You go to all this effort. You buy this wonderful gift. And especially when they're little, they play with the box. (laughs) The things we see now, they're here today, gone tomorrow. But here's where we're going to live. But the things we can't see now will last forever. You can't see joy. You see the results of it. You can't see love. You feel it. You can't see peace, peace, but it is tangible. You and I have eternal life. There's no end. There's no beginning, but there's no end to His love for us. There's no end to eternity spent with Him. Eternity literally means this, forever and ever 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 more. Keep an eternal perspective. You'll stay in peace because you'll know it's not just about this life. It's about eternity. You know, the best way to spend Christmas is to keep that perspective, but to give Jesus away. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand.